Hello and welcome, guys, to another episode of Real Talk with Benno. I am joined today by former Western Bulldogs leading goal kicker, Billy Gowers. Billy, how are you, mate? Good, thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Going really well. Uh, thanks for coming on, mate. Um, so I'd like to start these ones off with, you know, if we know each other, which we don't, but also if there's a connection between the two of us. And I believe I found one um, doing a bit of research. So I believe you're related to Jack Callagher. Yes, he's my cousin, first cousin. Cool, cool. I went to primary school with Jack um, at LA. Oh, really? Yeah, down in Armidale. Um, so we were in the same class for, I think, the majority of our way through, and our sisters were as well. So I found that oh, little nice. nugget. Yeah, I found that little one throughout the week. It was pretty wrapped. Yeah, nice one. So, so we'll get stuck in. I, I was going to save the, um, a bit of the South Pork chat till a bit later on, but you, you're on fire at the minute. You've kicked 10 goals in two weeks. The boys are flying, but you personally are, are on top of the world at the minute. How are you going this year? How are you feeling? Uh, yeah, mate. Feeling really good. Enjoying enjoying the the Sharks and living up here on the Gold Coast, mate. Um, yeah, we're obviously pretty lucky to be in the VFL this year and playing against some really good sides that are, yeah, obviously relate related to the AFL side. So um, enjoying my time at Southport um, thoroughly and... Um, yeah, looking to have another um, hopeful win this weekend against GWS's um, reserve side up in Sydney, so or down in Sydney for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, loving loving Southport, mate. It's really good. What inspired the move over there? Obviously, you're Victorian boy, and you've played all your footy down here. What what set you up to the Sharks? Um, a few different reasons, mate. I've actually um, moved up with. One of my good mates, Lucas Webb, who used to play at the Western Bulldogs as well. Um, And, yeah, we sort of um, had a bit of a chat with the Sharks and, um, yeah, agreed to, yeah, do the move um, both together. And um, it was either going to be Old Zavarians, which is my old high school um, amateur club. Yeah. um, Who play in the Vafa in Victoria. Yeah. Um, so it was either going to be that or um, maybe potentially giving it another crack. So I just thought I'd, I'd prefer to um, have a bit of a change up, change of scenery. Um, and I loved I loved the weather and the sort of outdoorsy nature of um, of the Gold Coast when I was living up here last year during the hub. Yeah. Um, and it just thought it would be a great opportunity, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the hub, I think they spoke last year about the hub maybe convincing a few boys that Gold Coast life was the way to go. Um, it's pretty cold and dreary down here at the minute, so I don't think you're missing out on a whole lot. Um, as we mentioned, you personally, your form has been terrific. Um, is the dream still alive? Mid-season drafts are obviously a thing now. Is that is Have you got half an eye towards it, or would you be willing to look at it if a club gave you a call? Yeah, mate. Yeah, it's obviously um, an interesting question that I get asked a little bit. Um, I've definitely got yeah half an eye on um on potentially playing again at the highest level. Um, but for me this this year is pretty much getting back to enjoying my footy and having fun with it. Really, mate. Um, you hear it a fair bit, which I'm sure sounds really repetitive from a lot of blokes that um leave footy or retire from footy is. They fall out of the love of the game um, for, for multiple different reasons. But, um, yeah, I feel a bit boring saying that I wasn't loving it. Um, but 
yeah, it's just the truth. And I think it happens far too often these days. Um, too many blokes don't like it, but can't actually say, well, not that they can't say they don't like it, but um, there's no point of saying that you don't like it at the time because that's your livelihood and that's your job. And um, if you were to say you didn't like it, then it, um, yeah, it could impact further. But yeah. Yeah, look, to answer your question, mate, if a club was to come knocking, I'd, um, yeah, I'd, I'd obviously consider it um, big time. Um, but it would have to, um, yeah, it would obviously have to be the right club and, um, and me be really keen. So, um, yeah, I'd, def- I'd definitely consider it, mate. That's part of the reason of playing for Southport and not playing for the odds of Aaron's is I feel that... Um, Playing in the VFL is definitely a definitely a step up, and um, yeah, just sort of closer to the AFL system, which we've obviously seen with the VFL having um, yeah a number of different blokes getting picked up again, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think if if your form carries on carries on this way, I think there would surely be a few clubs knocking. Um, you said you you fell out of love with the game. We've had a few guys actually on this podcast mention that that falling out of love with the game. Did that? When did that happen for you? And do you know what it was that kind of caused that? Was that up in the hub, or did it come before that? Oh, it was. Yeah, it was a bit before that, mate. And it wasn't just the one. wasn't just one moment, really. Like falling in and out of love with the game um, would have been more of a better way to put it. From myself, is just the not the constant enjoyment like you get playing junior footy or. Um, yeah, or even at the moment at Southport, which is what I'm getting, is that constant enjoyment. Yeah. Um, it's such a, yeah, it's a really tough industry that does get publicised. But, um, yeah, it's sort of, I'd say the love for the game is always there, but the love of the game um, sort of fluctuates a bit anyway. And you mentioned that it's obviously a very publicised game at the highest level. There was a rather infamous article written about yourself, I think, by, I don't know, I'm not going to name the journalist, but it was on Fox Sports and it um, was surrounding a, a small Supercoach points game for yourself, which obviously um, it's not your, not of your concern how many Supercoach points you were getting, but the article was called out by a lot of, a lot of your close personal friends in the AFL system. Did that article itself have an effect on you or, or anything, or does the media in like the media input, did that ever have a massive effect on you? Yeah, it did, mate. Yeah. Um, to be open and honest with you, mate, it, it had a, a really big effect on me last year throughout the hub. Um, yeah, living each, um, each player in the AFL was um, living on different terms sort of due to family reasons or wherever they were um, around Australia and um, living by myself. Um, I didn't actually, I honestly didn't know anything about the article until um, many family and many friends reached out to me just to say not to worry about it and um, keep going and keep pushing and keep trying to um, be the best player and person I could be. But um, yeah, when all that, there was one day I would have got, I would have got over, um, I won't even mention a number, but I got a ridiculous amount of, um, messages of support pretty much saying don't worry about it it's all good um hope you're going all right Mm. i was was thinking to myself what the hell is going on here but then um also a couple of those messages had sent had sent me article and said this is what's going on like don't don't worry about it um 
But yeah, I never really looked into it. Um, and then someone from the media contacted me just to um, ask if I was all right with speaking with that journo who yeah. didn't actually understand the repercussions of his article um, and very nicely um, apologised to me for writing the article because he was struggling a bit. Hope he doesn't mind me saying this. He was um, having some trouble with the backlash from the article. Yeah. So it was it was a bit of a um, yeah, it was a bit of a full circle of impact. Um, but the way the way it impacted me more so was my family and my friends getting so involved and so um, emotionally connected to not only that article but a lot of. Um, yeah, probably I'd say negative, um, negative comments and yeah. traction throughout social media and the yeah. media. Um, but yeah, that's that's the way it affected me. Is when it affected my my family and my friends far more than obviously far more than it affected me because I knew what I was doing and I knew that I hadn't played a great game, obviously. Um, but yeah, as well as individual sort of messages and comments and threats and all that kind of, um, yeah, excess baggage that comes along with being a professional footballer that sort of multiplied tremendously over that period of time because of mainly because of that article, I think. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, um, I've gone back and forth with that, um, that journalist who wrote that article and yeah, we're on great terms. I, I, I made sure he knew that I wasn't upset with him or any of that because he was just trying to do his job. Yeah. Um, but I, I also did make it clear that um, it is a good learning curve for not only him, but anyone in the industry that it's not always good writing negative stuff. There has to be some negative um, journalism to for the AFL media to or the media in general to have some content, but yeah, um, I don't think he really understood. We de- he definitely did not understand the kind of um, backlash he would have got um, prior to writing and publishing that article. Yeah, and I think I think it's an odd one because I think a lot of the time people, as a journalist myself, a lot of people think that journalists maybe don't quite as you said, sometimes I don't understand the repercussions that have, but it's odd to think that because everything, like I know everything I write that goes on Facebook, I mean, very few people agree with it. Um, and we get told in no uncertain circumstances. So you'd think that most journalists would have a firmer grasp on the fact that there are repercussions to these things. But I guess, as you said, he, he's just trying to do his job. And I guess those, those lines do get blurred a bit. Um, you touched on 2020 hub life by yourself. Take, take us into the hub. Obviously, there's the Amazon doco out, which does a little bit of that. But for the fans out there that really would have no idea, and I mean, how, there was countless rumours and stories that circulated on fake WhatsApp groups throughout the year. Because take us into what was hub life like, positives, negatives? What was it like up there? Me personally, mate, I, um, I actually really enjoyed it for a number of different reasons. Um, to be able to... Um, I say I enjoyed it. There was certainly some times which I didn't enjoy. Um, every day there were certain times that I didn't enjoy, but um, there was a lot of good to come out of it, um, better, better relationships with players, better relationships with staff, 
um, getting to meet and, um, and yeah, become sort of almost like a mini family with your teammates and your staff members, um, kids and um, wives and girlfriends. So, um, yeah, there was obviously heaps of positives out of it. I, we also got to play golf and I learned how to, I tried to, tried to learn how to surf, which was um, a bit interesting. But, um, yeah, they were some really good times to be able to do certain things like that and um, especially considering the landscape of Australia um, and particularly Melbourne and just how, how um, yeah, how, how badly everybody was living other than... Yeah. Um, you know, um, so we obviously considered ourselves super, super lucky, but it also did come with some some challenges um, of, yeah, predominantly just being around people that you work with 24-7 and not being able to switch off too much and um, also just feeling, well, I know for a fact that I felt slightly guilty that I was living on the Gold Coast where it's sunny and I was actually enjoying it. Um, yeah getting up early and, um, yeah, playing golf and stuff on our days off and keeping fit when people in all around Australia and all around the world really um, were really, really struggling. So it was almost like a disconnection. I was still kept in contact with people and family and friends, but they were struggling so much that I, it was like a guilt um, that sort of came upon me as well as a lot of other boys, I think. Yeah. Um, but they weren't having the same sort of time. But yeah, um, yeah, that's all part of it. Yeah, I think like you said, feeling guilty. I don't, I don't think you boys should at all because I think without the without you guys going up there and playing footy, I know for me, like it was a massive relief looking at the weekend. And then when obviously fixtures started getting played midweek, it was a nice little break up for us down here while we were locked away up in the up in our houses. And yeah, we can't be yep. more grateful for you guys for the sacrifices you made. Um, you mentioned golf just quickly. Are you a keen golfer? I know Jack was very talented when we were younger. Is that something that's run through the family? Uh, yeah, it is a bit of a family thing. All our, um, all the boys in our family sort of play golf. and um, Yeah, I don't play anywhere near as much as what I used to, and I'm nowhere near as good as what I used to be. But um, yeah, I still love playing a bit of golf. Which, um, it's good fun and... Gets you out of the house and, um, yeah, it's just it's a bit of fun, really. Yeah, it's a great – we always say, mate, it's great four hours. Just get away with the boys and it doesn't matter how well yep. you're playing. It's about being with the boys. Big, um, big time. Hub, hub life again. Um, is, is there anyone from the doggies that you really enjoyed being around and anyone you probably would not like to spend that much time with again? Um, oh, I – yeah, I enjoyed a lot of the boys' company. I hung out a lot with um, Ed Richards and Cal Porter and Aaron Norton. We all got drafted together, actually, and Ed's girlfriend as well. Um, we hung out a lot as a little sort of five um, and then, yeah, hung out quite a bit with... I became a lot closer with Caleb Daniel um, throughout the hub. We both sort of would laugh about how bad we were at surfing and um, we were both trying to learn at the same time. So, um, yeah, we um, bonded over that a fair bit. And same as Libba. Um, blokes that I wouldn't want to hub with again. Not many of them, mate. Not many of them. Um, but, yeah, 
it was yeah it was good it was really good to um, get closer with a lot of um, a lot of blokes that you wouldn't wouldn't yeah spend as much time with if it wasn't for that hub. Yeah, no, I think I think you've seen a, some clubs. Yeah, definitely didn't deal with it as well. But I think you've seen most of them dealt with it really well. And you're seeing a lot of tighter groups coming out of that. And obviously, the doggies have found a way to really make that work because they're on fire at the minute. Um, you, st- you started off at Carlton, which people might not know. Um, you didn't play a senior game at the Blues, unfortunately. But that you were there for two years. What was it like when you get drafted? You don't play a game, and then you're out of the system. I mean, what's that like? Does it? You're pretty young then. Does the world kind of come crashing down at that age? Um, it depends on who you are, I think, mate, and the way you look at it. Um, for me personally, the world didn't come crashing down. It almost got built up. Um, it was probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me is, um, not getting another contract at Carlton. I was only one, I was probably the last, I was actually the last person cut. So I wasn't too far off it. Um, which probably held me in good stead going into the next season, knowing that I wasn't that far off previously, so I feel like I could be close again. Um, but no, it was yeah, it was pretty tough going my two years at Carlton. We had um, three different coaches. The turnover rate of players was outrageous. Um, there would have been an average of fourteen or fifteen blokes every year. Um, so the club was going through a really difficult stage at that point in time. Um, and yeah, it was a, it was a place that I'm very happy and fortunate and lucky and thankful that I originally got drafted there because some of my closest mates to this day are from those times at Carlton. Um, and I still keep in contact with a lot of Carlton people. Um, but yeah, when I got delisted, it sort of was sort of released the shackles a bit and let me relax a bit more. I was pretty uptight and pretty nervous about performance and um, and just the whole footy world, really, when I was at Carlton. So being able to just relax and go out and play footy again straight after um, my time at Carlton was really refreshing and, um, and energising. Did you maybe feel a little bit stiff not to get a crack at senior level? Obviously, at that time, as you said, the club was going through... Bit of a, a, a bit of a rebuild, probably one of the biggest rebuilds of all time. Did you feel maybe a little bit stiff not to get a chance at some point? Um, I don't, mate. No, I don't. I in my first year, I was quite a, quite far off it. I think I was pretty immature, and I'd had a shoulder reconstruction, sort of early. Oh, I hurt my shoulder. Well, would have been four or five games into the AFL season, and then didn't play again for the rest of the season. So that was a write off. And then in my second year. I was struggling for form early and then um, started to really hit my straps towards the end of the season. So I was pretty, I was told I was getting pretty close the last sort of few games. Um, but yeah, there's some, some of the players in front of me, I was playing off half back at that stage and players the like of um, Cade Simpson, Dale Thomas, um, Zach Tui, uh, who else? Uh, Chris Yaron. Some of these players are some, um, yeah, some seriously talented, yeah. <laughs> phenomenal players at that point in time, and they were just playing ahead of me. And Sam Doherty as well, who's obviously now the captain. Yeah. Um, There's some seriously talented and um, seriously good footballers playing ahead. So I didn't feel hardly done by at all, to be honest, mate. Um, so but yeah, obviously, of, 
love to have played um, a game for the Blues. Yeah, maybe it's a bit of wrong position at the wrong time because obviously you then went and swung forward and that was a big turn in your fortunes. You played at Footscray in the VFL in the year in between Carlton and the Dogs. I mean, we said the shackles were released. What did that feel like when you go back to VFL level? Obviously, you're starting to put together some good footy at that level at the end of 2016. What did it feel like when you got into the Footscray side and how was it playing at that level permanently for that year? Yeah, it was... um... It was probably a little bit of luck, I think, or yeah, luck. I'd say I probably wasn't fit enough to be playing inside mid, which I was in the first sort of game or two. So that I think they felt obliged to play me up forward because I wasn't running the games out as well. And then, yeah, just the um, as I said, the shackles released a bit. Um, it was just more more relaxing, um, and I felt like I could play a bit more freely um, up forward and fly for some marks and, um, yeah, and do sort of do some more instinctive football um, and play some more instinctive football. So, yeah, it, was, it just felt a bit more natural and um, and I was getting backed in quite heavily um, from coaches and players and, um, yeah, it was it was a good time to play footy for Footscray and, um, yeah, it was good. It was a really fun year, really fun year. At what point did the communication between you and the, the Bulldogs AFL system start in terms of maybe picking you up the next year? Mate, in all honesty, I didn't hear a thing from them until I had already travelled over. So I had, um, I went overseas with my mum and my sister. My sister lived overseas, or still does. But went to go visit her and did a month over in Europe um, with my mum and my sister. And that's when I first heard wind of it, but there was nothing um, solid in the pipeline that um, was uh, was a key indicator. Honestly, the chat sort of started happening, mate, I don't know, not, not, not early days at all, mate. <laughs> yeah, like uh, well after the season had finished. Yeah, a couple was, of months even. Maybe was there the interest anywhere else from any other clubs at all throughout the year? Uh, there may have been. I wasn't aware of any, but um, yeah, that was sort of the only club I'd spoken to. My manager didn't even know about their interest in me, which okay. was interesting because most usually the managers. Um, no, quite a lot. Yeah. Well, do, how trustworthy were you on like when draft night comes around or when your name might be called out? How much faith did you have that you're going to get the second crack? Uh, as in when I was going to be picked up from the By dogs? The, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting story, mate. I didn't have any faith, to be honest. I knew that I was a chance, but um, that was sort of just rumours and a bit of innuendo. But... Um, yeah, I, I was. It was the first night of Footscray training with the rookie draft, um, and there was obviously a little bit of chat. And a couple of days before the rookie draft, a couple of got sent a couple of articles and um, stuff that had my name in it, saying that I was linked to the dogs. And um, yeah, had I'd just had ankle and hip surgery after I'd gotten back from Europe, and. I was really underdone fitness wise and I was out of shape pretty much. Um, and it was the first night I'd been back at Footscray and I was doing a weight session and then 
it was my first weight session. I could hardly lift three kilos, really. Um, <laughs> and I, I was on crutches. I think I was on crutches. Or anyway, I might not have been. Um, and a couple of the Footscray coaches or the Doggies coaches that I was mates with through Footscray, obviously, the alignment, um, and yeah. then I'd worked really closely with, said, oh, I'll come in and come in and what are you doing for the draft? Why don't you come into our office and we'll watch it? Anyway, little did I know, they all knew that I was getting <laughs> Um So that was a really, really special moment. Um, but yeah, prior to that, I didn't, I honestly didn't know. I wanted to, I wanted to punch on with them all considering they didn't tell me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was probably a good thing because it caught me by surprise a fair bit. Um, but there was also a glitch on the, not a glitch, but um, a, a fair bit of lag where about 15 names didn't pop up and then all of a sudden there, there was 20 odd names. So I think it got, I think it got the first three picks and then we didn't hear anything or see anything. And then all of a sudden about 20 names popped up. So um, yeah, it was pretty funny. It was good. Yeah. It's not the traditional draft night around the couch with the family. No, definitely not. So yeah, I was already at the footy club. Like when I was at the footy club as soon as I got picked up. So went up, up the top and um went and yeah went and met with Bernardo like a couple of literally a couple of minutes after it got, after it got announced really so that was interesting. Tell us a bit. Tell us about Bevo. He's a he's a unique character. Um, some would probably say rare, but I think he's a he's a breath of fresh air in the footy community. Um, he definitely tells it t- tells his feelings straight out. What's he like as a head coach amongst what was a pretty young playing group that you were a part of? Yeah, Bevo, it's great, mate. He's a, um, yeah, as you described him, um, a bit rare, but I so am I, mate. So is so are most people. Um, he's quite a raw, emotional um, and quite intelligent guy and motivator and coach. Um, he'd always come up with new um, new ideas and new ideals. Um, so he was super motivating to play under. Um, but yeah, he's he's pretty much how he is in the media, um, how he is in person. But super personable, um, and just a guy who cares and um, has genuine interest in everyone. So yeah, I can't fault him. Yeah, I think um, he's someone I wouldn't mind sneaking onto this show at some point. I think Bevo would. He's uh, yeah, as we said, great man and a great footy brain, which is always good to hear from. Um, so you got to the dogs. You're leading goal kicker in 2018, mate. You you've absolutely took the bull by the horns in that year. You played I think 20 games that season. I mean, what was that like? Did you feel like you'd put your feet in the ground at AFL level finally? Yeah, a little bit, mate. It's it's sort of still a bit surreal, even thinking back to that because I'd I'd done. So much work to try and get a game and I couldn't at Carlton and then I came in and, um, yeah, got backed in quite heavily and found myself playing regular for the AFL footy and kicking a goal or two here and there. Um, so, yeah, it was super exciting and um, it, was, it was pretty exciting to see the impact it was having on sort of, yeah, as I say, my friends and my family and how much enjoyment and excitement it gave them. Um, that was really cool for me. Um, so yeah, um, it was yeah, it was a bit surreal to, to be honest, mate. And um, the crowds and um, 
just the people there and yeah just playing sort of regular footy was really cool and um yeah i probably did think that i'd started to sort of set my feet in the ground a little bit at afl level and um yeah uh, how, how easy is it playing forward when the likes of Marcus Bontempelli, Jack McRae, when those kind of lads are coming out of the out of the square? Does it make it a bit easier leading up at the footy? Certainly does when they're kicking it, yeah, big time. There, um, yeah, there's some amazing ball users at, at the Dogs. Yeah, really good. So yeah, you played you played 20 games in 2018, but you then only managed I think it was about 11 or 12 more over the next two seasons. What? Did you find maybe it was the drop away for yourself? Was it just recruitment from other, like they obviously got in some other tools at the dogs that played that key forward role that maybe you would feel? What did you find maybe dropped away in those two years? Um, a number of different reasons, I think, mate. I sort of changed positions towards well, definitely last year. And um, I was playing, I played sort of the first 10 out of 11 games in my second year and then, did my ankle and yeah, I'd completely fallen out of the love of the game at that point in time. And um, yeah, it was probably the best thing that had happened to me was to get injured and um, and to get my enjoyment levels back for the game. Um, and then sort of turned into a bit of a midfielder after that. And um, yeah, it was just obviously a super hard position to crack into at mm. that club and um still is a super hard position at any club really but yeah. um in that point in time there were some seriously good players that weren't really getting in um, there's some there's also blokes that stepped up as forwards when i wasn't up there and um yeah a number of different reasons i think mate but um yeah you said that the injury was a really good thing for you. Were you were you close to turning around at the club and saying, "Oh, look, I, I need a few weeks," or we, as you said, maybe it's not the easiest thing to say. Were you just going to grit through until the end of the season or until the injury happened? Oh, mate, I'd gritted through for a little while prior to that, and I was, um, yeah, I was actually very close to calling it quits altogether, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, I hadn't really spoken to many people about it. Only a couple of people really, but um, yeah, it was it was getting pretty pretty close to um, yeah retirement at that stage, which even now sounds a bit silly, but um, yeah, that's just how that's just how it was, really, mate. <laughs> so you just you just enjoying it so little that you thought you'd be better off just not in the game at all. Yeah, pretty much, mate. Pretty much. Does that? Is that a bit like alarming now that you look back at it and say it? Is it a bit weird to think this thing that you've loved for well, your whole life, but especially as a junior, and you get to the elite level, which millions of people around this country want to do, and then you lose, as a lot of people do, you lose the love for it. Do you look back now and go, geez, that was how surreal was it that you lost love for something that meant so much to you? Yeah, a little bit, mate. I, I sort of do a little bit. I don't, I don't really think about when going back to that long and how I was considering retiring. I don't really think about that often, but I do. If I was to think about it like I am now, I'm sort of thinking that I was think I was thinking that way for a certain reason. And yeah, it is a bit surreal now thinking that way because my enjoyment levels of the game are 
so high at the moment. But at that point in time, that's just the way I was feeling. So I couldn't, I couldn't really, um, yeah, argue with the way that my um, my general feeling and output towards the game was at that point in time. If you know what I mean. Yeah. How how, how close again? How close did you come to calling quits? Had, had you made plans to talk to someone and maybe to, like someone at the club to let them know? How, how close to calling the quits were you? Yeah, I'd spoken to a couple of people really close to me that I wanted to retire and they just sort of sort of gave me the confidence to, not the confidence, but sort of gave me the advice to try and stick it out week one week at a time, as cliche as that is, mm-hmm. but to... And yeah, it was almost um, it was almost down to that week that I did my ankle. So we went, I went away up to yeah, technically up from Victoria to Byron Bay in the bye weekend, and had a good think about it all, and um, thought I'd, I'd done a bit of bit of reflecting and refreshed my mind and my body, um, and I was ready to try and. Get my yeah, get my um, love of the game back on track. Um, but yeah, the day after I did my ankle, so so the day after I came back from Byron, I um, yeah snapped the ligaments in my um, left ankle. So that was sort of what gave me a bit of um, a bit of freedom and refreshment in my mind to concentrate on that and not footy. So trying to get that right and. Um, that sort of yeah helped me get back on track in terms of having fun with footy again. Were you able to were you able to pinpoint a reason why you're falling out of love with the game? Like obviously you said there wasn't one incident or something, but were you able to say this is the aspect of it that I'm just not enjoying, or this is the thing that's ruining it for me? Nah, there was oh there was a few different reasons. Um, the whole Melbourne footy bubble was one big reason. Um, I, yeah, I didn't, or just the media and the scrutiny that comes with football, the, um, yeah, it's sort of a hard one to talk about, mate, because there's, um, yeah, a number of different reasons, but, um, yeah, I just wasn't enjoying it. And I, um, I, yeah, I didn't really like the side of it where people recognised you and where I, I thought, when I was younger, I thought that would be cool, but um, when it actually happened, um, yeah, it sort of freaked me out a bit, to be honest, mate. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a really, really good industry when you're going well. And it, uh, I think it um, is a really, really tough industry when you're not. So just the, the fluctuations in your emotions and, um, and just putting all your effort into this one thing and it not going as well as you'd hoped or you'd like was sort of um, chewing away at me a little bit, mate. Um, and, yeah, just form and just a number of different reasons. Yeah, I can't really pinpoint it. But, yeah, um, yeah it just sort of engulfs your life. Um, every little thing, training, preparation, um, going out for a beer on the weekend and... Not being, yeah, not being comfortable in a, an environment because people are, um, you know, 
treating you a bit differently and um, yeah, just a number of different things. Yeah, no, that, I think that's perfectly understandable. I think, yeah, as you said, as a kid, it looks like the dream of taking photos and signing autographs, but it must be unbelievably tough. Like I couldn't imagine what it would be like. Um, Cause I know when I, when I, when I see an AFL player, you do, you take the double take and you're like, Oh, that's X and Y. And yeah. So I couldn't imagine what it'd be like for those, for you guys that are dealing with that every day. It, it's a surreal thing to think about. So then obviously you spoke about the hub was good for you. Did you find that obviously you've got through 2019 and then you, you go up to the hub and you're out of the Melbourne bubble you're probably not getting recognised as much and you also probably can't get recognised as much because you can't do everything you could beforehand. Was that a nice little refresher in 2020? Yeah, big time, mate. Yeah, hugely. Um, just being able to, yeah, just sort of have that freedom. And even up here, mate, I notice at the moment, um, if there was to be a footballer or something, no one really cares up here about AFL. They, they <laughs> predominantly care about rugby Union or league, I don't even know which one, but um, <laughs> no, nah, mainly league. I think it is up here. Um, so yeah, they call they call rugby footy. So I have a few few disagreements with some people up here, but yeah, it um yeah it was big time a refresher and um and just nice to sort of be out of that Melbourne footy footy bubble or um whatever you like to call it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I don't think they can call a rugby league footy if they're kicking the ball once every sixty seconds. I don't, mate. I don't it's, buy yeah, it. It's hilarious. Um, yeah, it's hilarious. You said so when we spoke about the mid-season draft, then you said that it would be dependent on the club. And at the time, I thought, oh, you know, you go anywhere. But now it makes sense what you're saying. So, would your preference maybe be to stay out of Melbourne if a club was to come calling? Yeah, to oh, like being bluntly honest, yeah, it would be a preference to be out of Melbourne, but I, yeah, I probably wouldn't say no. I don't know. It's a yeah. tough one, mate, because it's, it's, um, I, I think it would be unlikely. Three clubs is, um, doesn't happen often. Um, but yeah, it would obviously depend on the club. I would prefer to go somewhere other than Melbourne, but I, I probably wouldn't say no. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. considering the way I'm feeling about footy and, and enjoying enjoying it all again, and that's it. And do you think maybe now that obviously you're back, you found that enjoyment again? Do you think maybe that you've been through those tough times? If you were to come to Melbourne, that you'd have the ability now to be like, all right, I can get through this, and I know how to find enjoyment out of footy again, maybe. Yeah, for sure, man. I think you've got to use your previous experiences for um, your upcoming, um, yeah, life and lifestyle and. Um, experiences as well so being able to um, decipher what worked and what didn't work previously and adapting and changing and evolving is um, just part of everyone's life so I think I would yeah I think I'd do it um, I'd do it better again um, but yeah never know so, well fingers crossed you do I think there's definitely a, a scope for you to get on a list somewhere especially with team looking for goals at the business end of the season um, we'll move away from footy for a bit um, notice looking through your Instagram that hairdressing is something that you've um, picked up and become a passion of yours um, take us into that how, when and how did that start yeah mate I've, uh, it's a bit of an interesting one I've always been interested in hair and doing silly haircuts and all that kind of jazz and 
my mum has always said she'd think I'd be a, a good barber or hairdresser. Um, and yeah, it sort of didn't really click with me until probably two or three years ago that I, I, I think that I'd enjoy it when, when I sort of started going to different barber shops and could see myself doing that, um, and picturing myself doing it. Um, yeah, so I originally had signed up for a apprenticeship last year in Melbourne, but had to, um, COVID, mm. well, of course, COVID hit, so I couldn't do that and then moved up to the Gold Coast. So um, couldn't do that during the hub, um, but kept in contact. And then, um, yeah, part of – I knew I, I was going to do an apprenticeship and I've got sort of aspirations to have my own shop and um, have my own client base and all that kind of jazz that comes with being a barber. Um, but, yeah, I'm sort of doing an apprenticeship now at a at a really good place in Mermaid Beach up here on the Gold Coast and um, loving that. And, um, yeah, it's sort of five, four or five days a week at the moment. Um, the pay, pay is a little bit different to AFL footy, as you <laughs> could imagine. But, um, yeah, I'm loving, I'm loving every minute of it and there's just so much to learn, which I'm sure um, some people would have no idea about. But it's kind of nice to go into an industry where you are starting from the bottom, um, you know, sweeping yeah. hair and doing doing not many cuts. But um, yeah, I'm loving it. It's really good. Nah, it's awesome to hear, mate. Um, did it, did any of the boys in the hub entrust you with the clippers while you're up there and weren't allowed out to the barbers? Uh, yeah, a couple. I didn't do too many. I left it mainly up to Toby McLean, who likes to cut his own horrendous haircuts um, yeah you can tell the boys um let him cut their hair i cut a few i cut um who did i cut i'm thinking i cut aaron norton's one time and it was a it was a shocker (laughs) i think he got bagged i think he got bagged about it on tv so (laughs) i'll I'll pretend i didn't do it but um yeah i cut a couple of the boys but i mainly left it up to toby yeah nice that nice um so obviously you started your apprenticeship up there now. How long does how long will we be doing that for before we see Billy Gower's own barbershop? Um, hopefully sooner rather than later. But an apprenticeship of what I'm under the impression of, it usually takes one one and a half to three years, um, depending on how competent you are with the clippers or scissors. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully I can get good enough to to do some some of my own stuff and and yeah, be fully qualified and um, be a proper barber. No, yeah. I'm not one of these apprentices. <laughs> <laughs> get someone else to sweep the hair up, mate. Yeah, exactly um, right. Not long to go now, so we'll touch on the VFL season this season. Southport talking flags. What did you say, sorry, mate? A Southport talking flags now. You guys have started pretty well. Uh, there's always talk of previous flags. Um, <laughs> not really. I'm just joking. But there is um, there is a rich history of of winning flags. But no, we're not talking about winning um, winning flags at this point in time of the season, mate. It's only two games in, and um, yeah, we're going we're going all right. Um, but there's also a lot of other sides that are going well and um, a lot of um, 
challenging teams to come up against and a lot of hungry players and teams, which is great. Really healthy, healthy competition. I was going to touch on that one. Obviously, you haven't played Nafel, so comparing the two is a bit tough for you. But how, do you, how have you found you're obviously playing with a lot of guys that have played a lot of Nafel footy? Um, and you've obviously played a stack of AFL, good AFL footy. How have you found the differences between the two? Are the legs closer than maybe we think down here in Victoria? The VFL and the NAFL? Yeah. Um, I'd love to say they're really close, but I don't actually believe that. I think the VFL is a lot better standard than what the NAFL was previously. But, um, yeah, I don't know for a fact, but I, I do think the VFL is definitely a big step up from the NAFL footy. Too easy, mate. Well, look, that's all we have for you today, Bill. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting. And hopefully, hopefully from here, we see you get picked up in the mid-season draft somewhere. Thanks, heaps, mate. Thanks for having me. And um, good to have a bit of a chat and open up about, um, yeah, footy and life. And, um, yeah, hope the podcast goes really well, mate. Too easy. Thank you. Cheers, brother.